Hi everyone, Ashley. Oh, sorry, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders Thursday night safe space. Uh, looking back on the round ten win over Brisbane, the round eleven trip to Darwin to play Gold Coast. Lots going on in the brown and gold world in which we all reside, and we'll get through it in the next hour or so. So thanks for joining us on the Hawks Insiders. Cut down a couple of soldiers tonight. Um, Darren is doing something that he needs to do. Danny, not sure whether he'll be joining us. And Morris running a bit late. But it might be post-futsal. Sure, if it is, we'll get an update from him before too long. But in the meantime, joining me, two of my regular co-hosts, uh, Andrew Weiss, good evening. Good evening, Ash. Good e- evening, everyone. Isn't, isn't the mantra, you lose a few soldiers, you just replace them with a couple of others? Well, we haven't replaced them tonight, so we've... Bit, bit thin, a bit on the Hawthorne Ruck department where uh, we're just going to have to make do tonight. But uh, we will find a way to be creative and get through it without uh, the, the collective intellect and wisdom of Danny and Darren, but we'll make it work. But uh, you give the people what they want, which means an expanded role. means means more Brad, I suppose. So hello, Brad. Happy Brad this evening, everyone. Pleasure to be here. Looking forward to it. Well, we'll have to find something for you to be angry about at some stage, Brad. We don't this happy uh, Brad persona makes me very, very uncomfortable. Hmm. As I said, this is Hawks Insiders. Uh, thank you, for everyone, for your support. As we enter our second year, uh, we see we're celebrating our birthday last week or the week before. Um, we it is five dollars a month, fifty dollars for the season. We thank you for your support of what we're trying to do. Uh, coming up with a few bits and pieces, a great piece we did on John Newcomb this week. Campbell Brown's exclusive column will be dropping in the next 24 hours or so as well. And uh, I'll put together a piece, a bit of a historical piece about the Hawks that will coming up very soon. But let's uh, not worry too much about that. Hawthorne is coming off. Uh, we'll discuss where this rakes, actually. We'll kick off by saying the, the five-point win against uh, Brisbane in Tasmania on on Sunday afternoon, 18-917 to 17-1012. I argue that the Port Adelaide win was better than that, and that's been Hawthorne's best win of the year. I think you two gentlemen probably don't agree with me. No, I thought uh, the Lions game was. I thought the fact we got down by four goals in the third quarter to come back and win. Uh, we knew early on in the season, you know, after, say, four or five rounds, Port weren't the side everyone expected them to be. They have come good now. But the Lions' win overall, I thought, was the best win of the season. Great team uh, performance. couple of standouts, but I thought just about all our players played their role and it was the best win of the season to date. Well, for me, I think they're hard to separate. Uh, it was an incredible win. The Geelong game was absolutely magnificent. And in terms of that Port match, Ash, for me, absolutely having been there personally, it's up there. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, can't they just be like children? And we love them equally. And, and they were all just fantastic wins. Just happy with a lot of them. Don't you understand that modern content is about lists and rankings? Um, and uh, hot takes, so that doesn't work. To just say they're all good doesn't work in this modern era. You have to actually have a, have a list and have to have a, a ranking. Now, they're all very good. John Wood was outstanding in a lot of ways as well. So it's funny, Hawthorne, someone sent me an email today saying what Hawthorne's 
record is against the really good teams, and it's quite remarkable who Hawthorne have beaten since uh, the middle of last season. Uh, pretty much every good team in the competition they've either beaten or drawn with, uh, with very few exceptions. And the uh, problem is they keep losing to the spuds. Um, there's been a bit too much of that going on lately, but uh, they certainly uh, are looking very good. And so I think that's one thing that actually made this win potentially more important than the others, uh, that after, you know, four consecutive losses and the drums are starting to beat and uh, and it's going to be a long season and when, if any, you know, when, when's the next win and how many are we going to end up with, that to come up with a win at this particular time in that fashion against who uh, a team that, you know, everyone's got, or, or had in the last few weeks is really the only challenger to, to Melbourne's crown and, and daylight to Brisbane and daylight to everyone else. The fact that it's them that we've knocked off to be able to just give us that sense of everything's tracking well, we're on the right path, they're learning, everything that's being implemented, the whole development strategy is on track. So... From that point of view, it's it's you know it, it's it, I would say getting off the fence there, Nash, that it probably is our best win for the season. That's better. Like to have a ranking. Don't forget, we, as I said, we are down a few soldiers tonight. So please, if you want to get involved in any of our conversations tonight, just make a request to speak. We'll get you on. We would love to hear from as many of you as possible over the next little while. Um, so, uh, Andrew, what was the good out of the win against Brisbane? Well, there's quite a few good things to come out of the win against Brisbane. So um, given that we don't want to uh, spend the next hour talking about it, um, I'll, I'll go through them quickly. Um, funnily enough, I think the biggest one-two combination that was good to come out of it is something that we talked about in the lead-up last week to the game, and that was how's, when, when are we going to see a four-quarter effort from John Newcomb? And with all the talk that Titch was going to play the whole game in the middle, in the guts, in the lead-up, potentially that would help with it. And that's exactly what happened. So the, the, the best thing to come out of the game was definitely Jai. Can you guys still hear me? Or have I frozen? No, nah, got you. Uh, all good. All good. Oh, good. Sorry. Um, best thing to come out of it was Jai, his effort, his four-quarter performance, and all of a sudden... He's um he's hit the spotlight in the rest of the footy world, you know, jumping into um, second favourite for the Rising yeah, Star. We're, we're, so, we're going to park Jai for a little bit. It's, we're going to get, talk a bit more Jai later on. Uh, so uh, no worries. Don't, so, don't go too heavily on him at this stage. What's something to look forward to? No problem. So then, I mean, the next side of things would be um, the return to Titch in the role that he loves dominating. Interestingly enough, I think we saw a stat that suggested he... Um, attended less centre bounce contest than he has it in any other game this year, which is very interesting. But he, he clearly played that grunt work midfielder and dominated. So um, his form's right up there. James Sicily um, against uh, Hipwood had an incredible game um, and really uh, the last couple of weeks... You know, after that Essendon shot at goal you guys went on about has really stood up and shown those leadership qualities again. Um, similarly, um, Blake Hardwick, much unheralded. His role on Charlie Cameron in the back line was incredible. 
And then the other two um, I've got written down to talk about are Mitch Lewis, uh, who managed to kick the four goals. And at the moment, everyone's talking about Kerno and King and we've got our own version um, in our back home, but our own version of that up and coming potential dominant forward in our own backyard. So that was good. Um, and, and I've also got just one more. I thought Chad's game, uh, he, he kicked the three goals. He actually had um, three smothers and a couple of taps. Uh, so his forward pressure was incredible. And, you know, I've been harping about him playing in the midfield. Um, actually, his roll-up forward was was quality on the weekend. So um, there are quite a few others I could go through. But in terms of the top good items to come out of the game, they're, they're my pick of the bunch. Brad, Brad the bad? Only three from me tonight, but number one is the bad of uh, the year. Kyle Hardigan as the Medi sub. <laughs> Don't know what Sam Mitchell was thinking. He came on, played 27 minutes for a grand total of 0, zero, zero, zero. Don't understand two, it. Two one percenters over it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. He had the two one percenters. Uh, and then I've seen he's been dropped this week. So that was an interesting one. Uh, Max Lynch, a concussion, really sad. He's going to be out for a few weeks now. The poor guy's just had one of the unluckiest runs in the history of uh, the game. His first, you know, 10 games of footy. Every time, you know, he looks like he's uh, cemented his uh, spot in the side. Something happens, you know, he's had COVID, he's got sick, he got a bee sting. He's been concussed a couple of times, so that's really sad. And he had food poisoning apparently last week yeah, too. He's just got everything and he's coming and up trumps. And then he got knocked out with three minutes left in the game and we saw he was in tears when he came off the ground. Uh, and we obviously know why. It's his second major concussion this year. So he's going to be out for a few weeks, unfortunately. But we will see Ned Reeves hopefully back next week for the Collingwood game. He trained fully this week. I think had the game been at the MCG or Marvel, he may have played. So that's positive looking forward. And the other bad for me was Will Day, subbed out again. Ankle injury, although obviously being uh, cautious with him. I know he's been named for the game in Darwin, but I still think it's a watch this space. I reckon he's 50-50. Obviously, they'll see how his ankle is after they fly in because it is a four-and-a-half-hour flight from Melbourne to Darwin. So they'll obviously assess that. Yeah, we'll get to the team uh, a bit later on when we do our preview. And I'll lay a bit of time for the preview because we're going to try and speculate how the team might set up uh, without a recognised Ruckman. We talk about the viewer experience here. I want to get your point of view on this, both of you, being media professionals. Um, so I had calls. I was watching the game, but I had calls had to leave uh, to go and uh, be in the car for about half an hour from sort of late in the second quarter through till half-time and even early into the third quarter. Listen to Triple M's commentary as they were going back to the start of the third quarter. I don't know if any of the people out there listening to the space tonight had the same experience. Raise your hand or jump on if you did. It was incredible the way they summed up the game heading to the third quarter. It was basically as though they thought that Hawthorne had thrown everything possible at Brisbane. Brisbane was surely going to lift and go away winning a canter, but it was almost like Hawthorne had fluked their way to being as close as they were at halftime. And all Brisbane had to do was flick a switch and... Um, They'd run out, win the game at a canter. It was interesting that, well, I guess 15 minutes in the third quarter of 
that was the case for 10 minutes as they, they pulled away. But uh, gee, the disrespect for Hawthorne was um, was uh, was quite surprising, I thought. So maybe Hawthorne have changed a few people's uh, perceptions after the, um, the way they finished the game. But gee, there, was, there wasn't a lot there for uh, Hawthorne. That was, uh, it was Wayne Carey, Ross Lyon, and uh, I think Lee Montagna were the callers, and maybe Nathan Brown. So uh, quite, quite surprising. Oh, yeah, I think, I mean, I've found this year outside of any calls that involve potentially Ben Dixon, Jason Dunstall, or Dermot Brereton, there's not much pro Hawthorne commentary across the board. So um, if I was looking at it neutrally, I'd go. Okay, again, I mentioned Brisbane being the contenders or the the challengers to Melbourne, that in terms of Hawks having lost four on the trot, we have been 40 points down to Carlton early in the game. We have just let go against the Bombers and and the Swans and and had the Mayor against the Saints. Like, you don't know what you're going to get from us. So on face value... Um, it's amazing at halftime that you're going toe-to-toe, but you'd still, at that point, as a neutral, be backing the Lions, wouldn't you? So, um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I'm very buoyed by the fact that in almost every single game this year, we've seen significant patches that have showed that any of the games bar I honestly think St Kilda, any of the games, if you are stringing that form long enough in those games, we would be winnable. And that in two, three years' time, when these guys have experience playing together and have games under their belt, we will be able to do that for longer. So in terms of um, not being rated to be able to do that now, no issues with it. When it comes off as it did, very, very exciting. I just wish I was listening to the end of the game as Hawthorne uh, kicked away and held on to win on Triple M. It would have been uh, quite entertaining. Okay, quickly run through your votes and we'll we'll put this game to bed. Uh, I gave three votes to Jai. I thought he was easily our best player. Two to James Sicily, his leadership and the demolition of Hipwood. Granted, he was just fresh back um, but was outstanding. And I gave one vote to Tom Mitchell. Won't see him in the guts this week and we can get to it because I'm not sure if you saw Ash, but um, and maybe this is the thing that can get Brad riled up. Tommy Mitchell has been named at centre-half forward on the team sheet this week. So he's replaced <laughs> Bruce, who replaced Dylan Moore. So I don't know, maybe, it, the, maybe it's about trying to find five foot ten and under centre-half forwards on rotation each week, but he's been named there. But he got my one vote for the weekend. I actually have a theory on Hawthorne before I get to you, Brad. The uh, Thursday, uh, two days before the game, is the Hawthorne Football Department day off. Players, coaches, uh, football staff, that's their their day. None of them come into the club. So what I reckon happens is that uh, that Sam Mitchell basically says says to someone, this is a squad of 22. He gives it to the guy in the accounts department or gives it to – they rotate every week. A different person gets gets to pick the team in position and lodge it with the AFL uh, and actually don't hand out the team in position. And I think they'll, 
they pass it around. It might this week. It might have been the uh, the accounts department or the events department. Said it's our turn to pick the team this week, fellas. What can we do? To, how outrageous can we be? And um, that's decided this week to take the piss by putting Mitchell at centre forward. Absolutely, and I've got. No, we'll see on Saturday night. Mitchell will be right in the guts with Jai, and probably Liam Shields, who's probably who I would say is going to tag Tuke Miller, but I'm sure we'll touch on that later on. My votes from the game, I same players as uh, we see, just different order. I had Sicily three, uh, Jai two, Tommy Mitchell one, Mitch Lewis and Blake Hardwick unlucky. Yes, I go. I, it was finished right for the best three were fairly clear cut. So I go three to Newcomb, two to uh, Sicily, one to Tom Mitchell. But I thought it was interesting with Tom Mitchell. Uh, Sam Mitchell more or less promised that to Mitchell would start the guts and play well, and that is what he did. Injury list at Hawthorne as we go through it. Uh, Scrimshaw shoulder test while he's playing. Will Day ankle test while he's been picked. Ned Reeves shoulder test. Obviously didn't do quite enough this week. Um, and they've got probably two weeks of the bye still. So chances are they'll get Ned Reeves up to play two weeks and have another week off. And otherwise, if he breaks down, uh, by the time he breaks down, Max Lidge will come back. So I think that's the way they're looking at it. Jacker hamstring four weeks. Jack Gunston ankle, probably the worst, more serious side. Of what was forecast, four to six weeks. Tom Phillips, ankle, five weeks. Ben McAvoy, neck, who knows what's going on there. Max Lynch, not playing. Josh Ward, concussion, have not seen the Box Hill team yet. But I've, actually, I think he's missing another week. So we won't be seeing Josh Ward playing any footy. And Tyler Brockman, shoulder season. So it's starting to, I mean, they're not alone in this department. Hawthorne, you get to the start of June and the injury list starts to lengthen out a bit. But they seem to have adequate, uh, for now, adequate reserves. And, uh, as we're going to talk about very shortly, they may be getting a couple more, one or two more people walking through the door in the next little while. Um, let's move to the all-important news of the Hawks and the news of the Hawks um, in no particular order. With today's news starting with that um, a week after announcing that West Waters was being sold, uh, their venue out in Caroline Springs. They have announced now that uh, Waverley Gardens, which is the cash cow for football club, don't you worry about that. Um, that has been sold, um, or will be about to be sold to the Melbourne Racing Club. So they've obviously decided, well, for Melbourne Racing Clubs in the business of fleecing people for betting money, they're most like the pokies. So they are going to buy the facility from Hawthorne. Hawthorne will join the growing number of clubs. They're out of pokies. This has been a, well, it was one of the, reasons why the Hawks for change. If it was getting rid of Jeff Kennett was the first uh, was the main reason for being for Hawks for change uh, late last year, then the second would have been a move on pokies. That is now happening. Um, the club will be out of pokies and the money is going to go into a future fund. Probably some of it will go towards Dingley. Um, some will go into a future fund and then they'll work out what to do with it there. Hopefully sit and earn plenty of interest and what have you. And um, then They'll work out, they'll identify a, a source of non-football revenue that appeals down the track. They don't need to rush into anything, which is good. They'll just leave the money sitting there and then wait for something to come along that they think can uh, make some more money for the club. Uh, Andrew, what did you think of that decision? What was your reaction when it dropped into your uh, inbox? Uh, yeah, incredible news. Really, really good news. I said last week that I refused to believe that um, the first announcement was significant given that um, Waverley Gardens generated more of the pokey revenue and was much more significant for us. So 
until hearing that, I wouldn't believe that we were um, pushing hard to get out. So obviously the news today was was massive. I think clearly in the last six, 12 months, the two biggest irks of Hawthorne supporters as a generalisation um, would be Jeffrey and would be the pokies. So the fact that both those things seem to be on their way out is obviously a really good thing for the club. The fact that we're going to make significant money on on the sale of those assets to help funding Lee and, and other stuff in the future is massive for the club. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, off the back of the Lions win, uh, it's, it's been a pretty good news week. And, and I think um, when we get to the end of the year and we talk about some of the more significant things that happen throughout the year, today's announcement about that sale will be right up there with, with anything else. Brad, is any part of it worry you that, uh, I mean, it's a, for pokies like, like, like them or loathe them, they, uh, they're a major cash injection for the football club and probably a key reason why the clubs have become the financial power it is. Any part of you concerned that uh, they're switching off that tap? No, I think as the, you know, we're known as the family uh, club, I think it was time. Uh, Weesey said, you know, it was a great uh, decision, great announcement. I think we live in a world now where there's lots of different ways for the club to go out and, you know, get uh, revenue in. Uh, we live in a digital world, you know, the cryptocurrency world. They'll find a way, you know, maybe not to bring the amount of uh, revenue the pokies was bringing in, but our club's big enough now, you know, we, we'll have over 70,000, you know, close to – I think we've got close to 70,000 uh, members. Um, we're a big enough club, and I'm sure behind the scenes in the corporate roles – We've got smart enough people, salespeople, to go out there in the marketplace and find other ways to bring in uh, money. But as a whole, as a club, I think it was the decision that had it, you know. It was the right call. Probably should have been done a while ago. Uh, but, yeah, the Lions uh, went into this uh, decision. Great week for the club. Ash, do you, do you feel like there are some potential impending announcements coming? Because the line has always been, of course, we want to get out of it. But because of that cash injection that you've talked about, uh, we can't just get rid of it until we find what is going to replace it. Do you think that that's lined up and ready to go? Or, you know, because uh, it's just an interesting time over the last fortnight for them just to have happened. What's your take on it? I'm not really sure whether the announcement are coming. Certainly the um, certainly I, I read somewhere that it's a really big time a lot of buying of hospitality and, and poking in gaming places so I wasn't probably reading that a couple of weeks ago was, You might need to take a step to your left, weeks. Ash. Sorry, can you hear me better now? That's better. That's better. I got you now. Yeah, sorry. That's weird. Um, I certainly think that they, um, it's, it's, it was the right time. There was a lot of activity in that marketplace, which is why it was probably a good time to sell. I'd like to think the addition of Ian Silk to the board, I mean, his business was super. I mean, taking people's money and investments and growing it, that perhaps Silk was able to um, 
lead the convince the board that hey, it's a, if if we move the pokies, we sell the pokies, we're going to be okay. There are ways there are ways we can invest money and we can grow our, our revenue base and our assets our asset base without the pokies. And I think you know I don't know if it's coincidence or not whether um, Silk joining the board is and they sell the pokies sort of within six to nine months. I mean Silk. Even when he was elected, as the Hawks for Change representative, did say that uh, we need to go to the pokies, but only when it's the right time. We can't just do it tomorrow. But I think to do it in sort of nine or seven months since he joined the board is quite impressive. That that's what I'm thinking and possibly hoping was the case. As for what's happening, uh, as for what's going to happen now, I'm not sure. I mean, clubs like Richmond have made a killing out of um, they bought into the leisure space. I mean, they've done really well out of it. So I think there'll be opportunities for Hawthorne. They're they're uh, they're certainly very smart people on their board, but I, I think it's a, it's a great announcement for the club. They've said what they were going to do uh, to get – they've listened to the members, and I think members should be really pleased because the club – you know, there was a, a growing disquiet and unease about the gaming revenue, uh, the club being so deep into into poker machines. And the fact they've listened to the supporters, I think, is a is a great outcome. And certainly, you know, I've, I've always thought the uh, family club – Moniker is a bit overrated, but I think at the end of the day, Hawthorne is no more or less a family club than just about every other club in the, the AFL. But uh, certainly, if you're going to call yourself a family club, getting out of poke is, is a good thing. Uh, Simon Morowitz, good evening. Good evening, guys. Sorry to jump in a bit late. That's all right. Futsal? Did you play? Uh, one, win, one win and one draw tonight, so pretty good result and a lot of sore joints. Well, sit back, relax for the next 35 minutes and... Uh, Give us your pearls of wisdom. Let's move on to the next bit of news is uh, out of AFLW. And it really is a, and a very good story from Lauren Wood in the, uh, in the uh, Herald Sun uh, interview with uh, Sarah Perkins. is back playing for the Hawks, which is probably like it happened. She's going to become the first woman in AFLW history to play for four clubs. She's going to be the uh, five, like Fred Houston or uh, Les Houston or Derek Kickett or whatever it was, but she'll be Adelaide, Melbourne, Gold Coast, and now the Hawks when she plays her first game for Hawthorne next year. Um, we well, see that was a nice little story to get to Sarah Perkins back and the story about her father being a volunteer for the club and he passed away. It's going to mean so much for her to play uh, play her first game for the Hawks later this year. Yeah, a really, really good read. And that Hawthorne connection made it even more special. Um, I, I'm not sure, you know, to be honest, I, I, I don't know a lot. I haven't concentrated a lot on the AFLW space. So I don't know if the story about her dad had, like, was general common knowledge before the article came out. But it was definitely very heartwarming. And, I mean, going through the announcements, seeing her signing for Hawthorne, Having having played with the VFL team and um, having been part of the club effectively previously, um, but yeah, that reading about that, the connection with her dad, the connection to the club, um, yeah, really good feels and continuing the the positive vibe heading into the AFLW season. Yeah, I'm not sure she's going to be the sort of play you build a team around. Uh, in the in the long term, uh, Sarah, but uh, she'll be a really good player just for a year or two. Play out of the goal square. She knows how to find the goal. She knows how to score. Um, don't really know. I mean, a bit like you, I'm a bit sort of flying blind a bit in the AFLW space in terms of the strength of the squad. But it can't be a bad thing to have her playing um, out of the uh, out of the goal square for the Hawks. Um, Want to talk about? We talked about it before when reviewing the Brisbane game. 
Jai Newcomb, and he uh, he did an in-depth interview this week. He was on uh, the Channel 9, I think, with uh, Braden Ingram, the Channel 9 journal, where he came out and said he really would like to win the Rising Star um, Award this year, which is a very unHawthorne-like thing to say because at Hawthorne, we don't go after the individual trophies. That's the stuff of other clubs, and we just like to concentrate on team success. I'm sure John Kennedy would have read, heard that quote and be turning in his grave. But uh, everyone's on board, John Newcomb. It's quite remarkable that how the discussion on John Newcomb Brad has turned from you know, he was at Hawthorne secret until last week. All of a sudden, it takes a you know, free-to-air game on a Sunday afternoon, which gets a large audience, for him to do what he did. The genie's out of the bottle. He's probably the favourite to win it now. Are you comfortable, Brad? This is where you. I want this is all angry and worried, Brad, to come back. Are you worried that it's going to get to his head, or do you think he's that good that uh, it's water for ducks back for him? All the publicity he's now getting. No, I think he's uh, that good. He's only played seventeen games, and we've been talking about Jai for the whole uh, season. As you said, it takes for a three twenty Sunday afternoon Sunday afternoon game. But I tweeted after the game his stats from about round three uh, this year. He's been unbelievable. Like. He's probably, you know, one of the top midfielders on form in the league in the last three or four uh, weeks. So it's not surprising. Uh, Nick Dacos is, I think, just favourite at the moment, but that's only because of his name and the club that he plays for. I think Jai should definitely be favourite. And I think uh, Jai plays the type of role he's an inside mid. The only thing that will stop him from winning it is if teams start to tag him. But... Unfortunately for us, our midfield's not the strongest in the league. You know, we've probably been bottom four the whole season. So I don't think teams are going to tag him. So if he can consistently play the way he did last week, you know, he seemed to play four quarters for the first time, he'll be very hard to beat. This year's crop of youngsters is very, very strong. So for him to be favourite is unbelievable considering where he has come from. You know, he's played less than 20 games. He's arguably our best midfielder, probably our second best player behind this season. Uh, hearing him speak, looking at the type of player he is and the guy, you know, he's a country boy. I don't think it's a worry and um, I'd be glad for Jai to win it and I'm glad he came out and spoke about it. It shows he's got a lot of uh, confidence, but he doesn't seem to be the arrogant type. You often see with the younger kids, They've got a bit of uh, arrogance uh, to them, which could be a bad thing, might be a bit, you know, a, a good thing as well. But I think he's got a good head on his shoulders, and I'm excited because we deserve one yeah. after Cyril Rioli got robbed by Reese Palmer. So and, one of the and Ryan Burton as well. I'll add Ryan oh, yeah. Burton to that list. Andrew McGrath over Ryan Burton, yes. One of the questions, Brad, touching on what you've just mentioned and going back to like Ash's original comments and uh, like I was fascinated to read some of these articles where the journos have literally referred to Jai as our best midfielder where they clearly weren't doing that a week ago obviously opposition scouts and oppo analysts are doing the work that they do and putting the work into our midfield do you fear that as the um, as his aura continues to grow, if he has another couple of games where he's putting in four-quarter efforts, that because of the lack of cutting edge from the rest of our midfield, that um, 
you know, that he's going to find it tough because they will put a lot more time and effort into him individually. He probably will cop a bit more attention, but the way the game's played today, not many teams play a hard uh, tag on uh, the opposition's best uh, midfielder. We actually saw uh, Liam Shields play that exact role on uh, Lockie Neal in the second half last week. But I feel with, again, how weak our midfield is, uh, I think teams would back their midfield at head-to-head against us. So uh, I don't think he'd cop attention. I think Sam rotates at our midfield uh, quite a lot. So a lot of our uh, mids, as uh, we've seen, spend a bit of time at half forward. Jai can actually pop up and uh, kick a goal. So I think we may see him similar to what Sam's done with Tom uh, Mitchell. Uh, Jager Amir has played a bit on has played a bit in the forward line. Uh, he rotates the midfielders forward. So if he cops attention, I think Sam will just pop him in the half forward, play that similar role. Chad Wingard's hopefully going to play a bit more in the midfield in the coming weeks. Connor McDonald, I think we'll see get a lot of centre bounce uh, work on Saturday night. Good to see him back. So no, nah, I, I think Jai's also good enough to work through the extra attention. He can play inside and outside mid. Seems like he's worked on his fitness. And I'm not sure if any of you boys have seen Sam Mitchell's uh, interviews in the last few weeks. He's done some really great stuff in the media. But in the off-season, in the pre-season, you know, Jai built a gym in his house. He's been really working on his fitness and his strength. So that's another good sign. Good piece we had at Hawks Insiders. Darren spoke to um, Jaden Popovsky, who uh, put up that... uh, that table, the rising star by AFL rating points per game, and um, fair to say that Jai, Jai is leading the field. He's better uh, rating points than midfielders who won the award, such as Bolton Pelly and O'Meara in their years, and Patrick Cripps as well. So he is um, absolutely flying. Just that's keeping the... a lid on it, hey, Ash? Bolton <laughs> and Cripps. Well, no, but the figures that's... don't lie. What you want is the early groundswell of interest because the first person who gets that, it's self-perpetuating. So now every time he does something good, people will say, there's Jai Newcomb, he's a front runner for the rising star and it gets in people's heads. And the first person who gets in people's heads like that, it's, it's, it's actually very valuable. And I think that um, by being the first sort of groundswell interest, I mean, obviously, as Brad said, there's, there's Horn Francis and there's Dacos because of their high draft pick and, and what have you. But I'm really excited that that people are jumping on Jai because that is, like I said, it's self-perpetuating. And you'll find that just by being talked about, now everything that he does um, sort of builds on the last thing. It's great. It's actually true. I mean, really, when you look at the Rising Star, looking at who's been who's eligible to win it, who's been nominated so far, Dacos will go close because he's holding his – Dacos is a wonderful footballer in a team that's been, you know, equally ugly, more competitive than Hawthorne. Um, I'm discounting Horde Francis. I don't think he's at this age. I don't think he's done enough. He's a prop. He's, he's going to be a really good player. I don't think he's done enough this year. Do you go for Jake Bowie, who's just you know has, has a, in two years he's played seventeen straight seventeen games for seventeen wins or whatever it is to Melbourne. I mean that is something. That is quite something as well. Oh. He's just become a really important player of a team that never loses. So it's a very compelling case for 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 him. And then there's there's Jai. Probably it's, a, it's probably a race of. of of those three, um, Nick Rochelle's been another really one at Adelaide. Rochelle's yeah. falling off the cliff a bit. He's not playing this week either. Yeah. I think Rochelle's stunned at off the, uh, the pace. But I remember with um, 
Burton v McGrath. I mean, and maybe we're biased, but to, to, to Hawthorne people, Burton was the runaway winner. Um, There's no it, question. No but the, question. But the problem with was. McGrath, well, two things with McGrath, Essendon used to manage McGrath. Well, Burton played every game. I haven't got thunder. Burton played every game that year unless he was actually injured. Um, whereas McGrath, Essendon managed him a few times. So we, when he so he he missed he missed a couple of games just to rest him. So we, so he he was fresh when he when he came back. Oh, no doubt, doubt that you know I'm, I'm not suggesting a chicane or anything like that. But the Essendon uh, media mafia, of which there are many, uh, certainly talked up McGrath on every occasion. Um, and there may have been some lobbying going on. Who knows? But I was actually quite gobsmacked that McGrath won the, the award winter because Burton was really consist, super consistent all through that year. And as for Cyril Rioli and Reese Palmer in 2008, well, the less said about that, the better. Hawthorne really have been... Uh, we don't have a lot to complain about as Hawthorne supporters, so let's not, uh, cry, let's not cry too much and, and sook and carry on. But when it comes to the rising star, Hawthorne could have more than the two winners they've got. Yeah, but, you know, Dutchie got the award, so, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We, we should just So, Scott Caparelli was pretty stiff in, in 95, it, it must be said. We only got two. I thought it was three. I think it's just two. Holden and Mitchell. No, to Crawford, to Crawf, wouldn't it? No, Crawford no. didn't. Crawford's first year was the first year the award. Buckley won it. Oh, yeah, Buckley, yeah. So, um... Only got the two, and uh, Mira sort of plays Hawthorne now, but still was at Gold Coast. Anyway, things are looking very good for John Newcomb. He's had a ripping start to the season. But great to see. We're interested to see how he copes with the attention. I mean, Saturday nights at Channel Seven games. Luke Darcy commentating. Um, Brad, how many times do you think Darcy is going to uh, is going to mention it? Oh, I think I'll be watching using, the game on you. Yeah, using using Morris theory about uh, what do you say, Morris? Sorry, I was looking up. I thought I swear we had a third winner, but you're right. It's only two. So, um, yeah. But, but yeah, you're... every time um, Jai Newcomb gets a ball, there's Newcomb again, front runner for the rising star at the moment. The, boy, uh, the country so, boy from Poowong. Wasn't even playing well. AFL football 12 months ago. I know. It wasn't on a list. I know. It's going to be... Uh, well, well, we'll enjoy it, but uh, it's a bit long, 11 weeks to the end of the season. Hopefully, Mitch doesn't you can see, like, manage him more. Put him in for early surgery, but uh, it's been a great body of work so far. And he's probably one of Hawthorne's five most important players, possibly in the top three at the moment, and a toss up for the second midfielder. So when we get to the selection and we see that Amir is missing, it's like, oh, well, Jai's playing, it's going to be okay. We're not going to, be, we're not going to struggle too much with the midfield. Wouldn't have thought we'd be saying that even four to uh, six weeks ago. Last thing I want to discuss, and it's a shame Danny's not with us tonight because this is his absolute wheelhouse, is the mid season draft is coming uh, on Wednesday night at 6.30. Keep a look out on Hawks Insiders for how we plan to cover it. We've got a couple of ideas, but we'll certainly have something happening that evening, uh, not long after the picks come out at a minimum. Uh, we may even be more immediate than that. Probably two players at this stage. Hawthorne's got how many picks? Is, uh, how many picks have we got? Brad? I think it's only the one pick, isn't it? Only the one pick at the moment. So it's probably a race. McAvoy, and unless they do what the Crows did today with Paul Seedsman and uh, Rawley Sloan, put them on their long-term uh, injury list. Yeah, so obviously Tyler Brockman's out for the season. Um, it's just whether or not Big Boy gets, you know, put, you know, well, I, I, I don't think they will just because of our current ruck situation and now with Max Lynch and his uh, concussion. 
I think we'll see Big Boy in the back half of the season play some games. Oh, the, I guess the question is, I mean, are we getting right into the mid-season draft now, Ash? Is, is yes. now the opportunity? We're so, talking mid-season draft the next few minutes, so it's a shame. We don't fringe because it's his, his baby. It is his baby. Obviously, Ballenden's the one that's been spoken about, and so depending on who specifically we're targeting, targeting as a ruck, whether, you know, and, and we've had this chat with Prinzi in our WhatsApp group around if they've identified best talents and it's not Ballenden as an example, well, then we'll potentially want a second pick so that we can take a mature age ruckman just to get us through the season. Whereas if it is Ballenden that's been identified, he's the one, he's then potentially going to, be that second ruckman when either of the other two are injured, um, then the one pick is all we need. So I guess it'll just come down to as they assess all of those that have nominated exactly, you know, how they rate that talent long term. Because really, the results from a ruck point of view for the second half of the year are somewhat irrelevant. Um, it's about the continuation of the list build long term. Yeah, well, that leads us, so Ballard's put terms on him. He's a nominated financial terms. Uh, he's able to do that. They changed the John Newcomb rule um, and that only players who've been on an AFL list before can nominate terms. So whether he's nominated terms or the basis that he has an principal agreement with the club already will be interesting. Um, but the other player Hawthorne has been linked to is James Blank out of the uh, football factory that is Box Hill. Um who's going to train pre, as a potential pre-season supplement. I'm reading Calton here, pre-season supplemental period, um, but was eligible after not nominating for last year's draft. He's given an exemption to qualify for the mid-season draft. He's 21, he's a 195-centimetre key defender who can test well. So the question I'll be... Go on. He's an Everton supporter, I believe, so I think... Uh, oh, Darren's adopted I think Darren's sponsor. been writing letters. Oh, he's <laughs> been writing letters to the club to say we need him on the list. <laughs> That's right. So uh, I know he knows he's an Everton supporter, but anyway, Darren finds these things out. So, so it comes down to whether Hawthorne really think they've got enough rucks to get through the course of the season. Like, they'll have a better idea of Ned Rees and how, you know, they would like to think that uh, if Rees is going to be okay... Ed Lynch is going to be okay, and that then uh, after he gets over the concussion, then they may look for Blank, who's probably more what they need. They need to bring another key defender into the group yeah, at some stage. Yeah, I think uh, you're right, Ash, and I think the fact that he's been a box hill, similar to Jai, might be the reason he gets over the line. I just think with the mid-season draft, though, we need to taper at expectations. Jai was a bit of a miracle. I'm pretty sure... Uh, doing a bit of uh, research into it from last year's mid-season draft, only th- I think it's three or four players have played more than five games. So as Weesey touched on as well, you know, I think we just to get another guy is probably not going to happen. But if we can get someone to really you know help fill a spot on our list, especially down back, I think blank blank's going to be the one. Yeah, we're at the lingering, and we'll get. To, we've got a question which we'll get to in just a moment. We're at the, we're at the sort of lingering end of the COVID effect on player list, where players haven't had a lot of exposure for the last couple of years, but have had played some good football this year. And um, 
getting a chance to, to, to show their wares. But I think, yeah, Giles is seven. John Noble from Collingwood, I think, was the 2020 preseason draft, it might have been, um, has been a very good player as well for Collingwood. So Newcomb and Noble, I think, are the two best uh, best players that have come out of the preseason, out of the mid-season draft so far. Yeah, we'd be, yeah we're kidding ourselves. Was... Any club would be kidding themselves. I think they're going to get a player as good as Newcomb out of the draft this year. But, uh, you know, they, was... they do feel specific needs. From memory, was Snelling from Essendon? Was it Snelling, maybe, as a... Yeah, Snelling, season? yeah. He's, he's a decent footballer. Yeah, except he plays for Essendon. But, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Hawthorne will be active. Who knows, they might make another move to get themselves two picks ahead of um, ahead of Wednesday night. But uh, we'll certainly be welcoming at least one new player to the fold. But Ballander put in terms of himself is interesting as well. So I'm not sure who else has got a crying need for Ruckman either. That's the other part of it. I mean, to Carlton look at him? If, I don't know if they've even got a pick, but uh, you know, Carlton pressing hard for Files. Uh, Pitto's injured and Conning's been good, but uh, you know, would want him to fall over either. Suddenly, Carlton, as much as you have to say, the Premiership window's open. So uh, Carlton might be strategic as well and try to see what they can do to shrop their playing list before the finals. Uh, Mr Jazz, we're about to get to you. You've jumped off. Sorry, we were literally about one second away. If you want to jump back on. We'll get to you. Sorry about that. I just want to sort of finish talking about that. Um, any other th- any other thoughts on the uh, on the uh, mid season draft, Brad? Uh, not nothing much from me. Just we're not going to get another Jai. So no, all good. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. And I said, keep uh, following our Twitter feed and Hawks and Sides to see. What our coverage plans are for Wednesday night, as we as Hawthorne welcomes at least one new player into the fold. Um, let's turn our attention now to um, the game on Saturday night. It is Hawthorne's first game for points in Darwin. I think old timers here would might recall. I think in the very early nineties, it might have even been nineteen ninety one. Hawthorne went and played a preseason game at the old Gardens. Uh, footy ground against uh, a Northern Territory team uh, under Alan Joyce, but this is the first time they've been there properly to play. Um, the team as picked from the back line is uh, Scrimshaw, Hardwick, Impey, GF, Sicily, Bramble, Moore, Newcomb, Daniel Howe, Butler, Big Tommy Mitchell at centre forward, Connor Nash, Bruce, Mitch Lewis, Connor McDonald, followers, Kaczynski, Will Day, Chad Wingard, Interchange, Frost, Shields, Granger Barris and Harry Morrison. The emergencies are Hartigan, Callow, Morris and McGuinness. So let's throw around a couple of names first, um, a couple of ideas first, starting with you, Simon. Do you think that uh, if Will Day doesn't play, I'd say he'll still be 50-50, really he's got a four-and-a-half-hour flight to get through first. I imagine they'll fitness test him again once he gets up there. If he pulls out, what happens? Who comes off the emergency bench into the squad, into the team? Did you say, did you say his name is Rover? His name is Ruck Rover. Ruck Rover. I, I don't know. I find that pretty, pretty sus. Like it's it's almost too like if they just chuck him on the bench, I'd expect that he plays. But it's almost too much of a beacon. Like, look, he's so right that he, we can stick him in the center for the first bounce. Um, I don't know why I find that really sus. Well, Hawthorne yeah. in the t- t- 2014 grand final, after all the Willie Whitey play for Surioli and, you know, where they're rolling the dice, at the opening bounce of the 2014 grand final, Cyril was in the square. So, 
Yeah, I loved that. Um, but we, we knew that he was going to play because he played three quarters in the in the grand final. Um, so I don't think there was any doubt that Cyril was going to play that game. And then just to stick him in for the first bounce, was that was a, a statement that, yes, okay, he's here. He's not just stick, stuck him in the goal square. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, um, it would appear to me that Finn McGuinness is the obvious choice um, to come in off the inter- uh, off, off the emergencies list. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing Saunders. We've never really seen him. Um, and you'd hate for him to to make his debut in the subs vest and not come on and stand in the middle of the circle when we beat the Gold Coast. Well, it hasn't been named at all, so he's not going to be playing against Gold Coast. But uh, Harding... Wait, and- he- oh, I oh sorry. I confused him with Morris. Sorry. I'm, yeah, I got them confused. surprised. Ash, you mentioned so were McDonald and Nash both named in the forward line. Yes, uh, but don't pay any attention. I told you the no, accounts department so, does the teams on the cruise. No, I know, but so my point is as opposed to swapping a mid for a mid, there actually is a pretty good uh, number of mids on that. Uh, you know, as part of the 22 already. So I just wonder if Callow being named as an emergency is a genuine chance to come in to help Cozzy uh, up against Jared Witt. I know Brad's had his thoughts on uh, on what's, you know, the carnage that's about to take place on Saturday night in the Jared Witt's department. I want to throw it open. How did Hawthorne play this? Tactically, how are they going to this game with no recognised ruckman? How are they going to structure up uh, through the evening? Who's the second ruck? I think it's Daniel going to be, Howe. Yeah, it's going to be a mixture of people. We will, Actually, if you look at the stats from last week's game, we, we lost hit out 71 to, I think, 22 or something like that. This week's going to be worse, and we won the game against Brisbane. And Brisbane a, is a lot stronger than the Gold Coast Suns. The Gold Coast Suns have actually been playing really well. The midfield is quite strong, but I think our midfield matches up quite well with them. They've got Tuke Miller, who's a star, has been a little bit down this season. Noah Anderson, who we all wished played for Hawthorne, if only his dad, Dean, played a lot more games for us. He's been a really good player uh, this season. But other than those two, they don't really have a lot of depth in the midfield. David Swallow is a decent player. He's not as good as he once was. So I think our midfield, despite Jared... Jared Witz is going to break uh, the record for most hit-outs in a game. The record is Sanderlands, I think, at 69 in a game. Uh, Witz will break it because the way the games in Darwin are played, they wet and dewy. There's going to be a lot of stoppages. And Witz is arguably the best ruckman in the league at the moment. Max Gorn's been quiet the last month. Uh, Witz has probably been the best in the league. And that's an amazing effort because he came back from an ACL. So... Our midfielders are going to have their work cut out for them. But in saying that, Brisbane smashed us in the hitouts last week and our midfield uh, won, centi- uh, won uh, clearances on the day. So it's going to be an interesting one, but I think it's going to be a joint effort. I think we're going to see Cozzy Ruck. Uh, we're going to see Connor Nash play a bit in the Ruck. Uh, as you mentioned, Wacey, I reckon Callow would be the one that will come in if Will Day doesn't play because it'll allow Cozzy to spend more time forward. I think Lewis and Cozzy as a forward combo is important for us. Uh, so it's an interesting one. I just think it'll be a team effort. I know we saw Simon uh, mention it, Sammy mentioned in his press conference, uh, Daniel Howe might be tried in there, which would be very funny to see. But Howe's deceptively tall. I think he's over 190, and he's got decent size. So 
We just need someone that can that can uh, compete. That's all. Yeah, I didn't realize he was one ninety three. That's taller than I thought. But also, you you you, you want to mention that we played three quarters against Geelong without a ruck. Um, and so knocked them Geelong. <laughs> yeah, Jared Wicks is a very Jared Wicks is different to a race Stanley. Um, yeah, no, do you, oh, you, sorry, just one sec. If you've got a question, please just someone to uh, ask a question. We did get to him really. We've got a few more minutes. If you've got a question, please jump on. I promise you, I'll even cut Brad off to get your question in. So please, uh, you don't want to ask a question. Don't forget to jump on. The the tactics will be really interesting because every time Connor Nash has been in the ruck. Um, and again, we're talking about a width, so we'd be expecting him to win every hit out. We've then had four versus three on the ground. So how they structure up to potentially allow wits to to take advantage from a ruck point of view, but then be uh, four versus three on the ground, depending on who we've got in there, will be interesting. James, good evening. You've got a question for us. Welcome. James? Switch on your mic, buddy. Can you hear me? Yes, you yep. can. Good evening. I was just thinking, with the ruck going up against Jared Woods in the bounce, wouldn't it be easier? Wait for him to jump and our player just back back a bit in the ruck and wait for the ball to go and our midfields just watch where the ball goes and go after it? That could be well possible because uh, Sam Mitchell has come and said they've been thinking about a few different strategies and a few different approaches to take over the course of the week. That may well be one of them to more or less not even give a contest in the ruck, just have a token person to present at the bounce, let the ball come to ground, and then and and then try and and try and have the right matchup and uh, take advantage of the matchups from there. Could well happen because Sam is one of the great lateral thinkers of uh, of the modern game. It's a good point, and I think the loss of Jake is going to hurt because I think this would have been the week where Sam would have put our experienced uh, guys in the middle. I think Tom Mitchell will play predominantly uh, midfield for the whole game. Connor McDonald, I think, will take his place. And, you know, Tom's been playing quite a bit forward. Uh, so I think Tom will play quite a lot on the ball. I think Chad Wingard will spend a lot of time on ball uh, this week. Uh, Liam Shields is uh, the other one. I've got a feeling... With how strong Wits is going to be in the ruck, I think Sam's going to have to lock down on the Suns' best uh, midfielder, who's Tuke uh, Miller. So I think you'll see Lim Shields will play uh, a tag, similar to what he did to uh, Lockie Neal last week on Tuke. And I'd be surprised. Mitchell should have started with um, Shields on uh, Neal in that hard tag in the first half because Neal was the best player on the ground. And great to see Sam adapted to it. But I think, yeah, we'll see our more senior players play a lot more on ball this week. Well, Mitchell said during the week he didn't want to tag Neil, but he got a couple of early touches in the third quarter. This is when the game looked like, you know, straight out of halftime, Brisbane got on top early. That's when he made the switch. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure Shields, not sure Shields will have the tank in Darwin to run four quarters with the Paylock Miller. So it might be Connor Nash is the other one as well, though, who spent a bit of time on uh, Neil. We're lucky that we've got a couple of guys who can play that uh, role. Nash is, you know, the bash and crash, where Liam Shields is more, you know, of your standard, traditional, old school lockdown tagger. Paul, you got a question? Sorry, I came in late. Any chance that they're going to spring a surprise and put Hardigan in the rock? Well, he is an emergency, and he was the Medi sub last week, so it's not a bad call. 
can Hardigan jump though? I guess he's got a big body, so he can compete. And he's the same height as Cozzy. Yeah, it's a, and we don't really want to be playing Cozzy four games in the ruck, do we? He spent a lot of time. He actually competed. He actually competes really well, like Cozzy, but he should be playing in the forward line. So it's an interesting one. You know, if Will Day doesn't come up, you're probably right. It, it would be one of Callow or Ed Hardigan to play that role. But I think that would probably, yeah, it's actually not a bad one because Hardigan's obviously got the experience. Uh, so it's not a bad call. If 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 um, Will Day doesn't get up, then that brings maybe a Finn McGuinness tag into play because um, he's done that sort of role before and been pretty good. So yeah, if you want to tag Miller. He has, but Finn's actually, I think he was unlucky to uh, lose his spot in the side. I thought his last two games he played were actually quite good. I thought they were probably two of his better games he's played. I thought he was unlucky and he can play, as uh, you said, Simon, that uh, tagging uh, role. So, yeah. It's going to be very interesting because any of those, I guess Morris as well as the small, it's going to be wet, but I do think they need an extra bigger body. And Finn's actually got a big body for his size. What odds at the start of the year, on what planet would you possibly have conceived that Kyle Hardigan is on our list purely to be the fourth Ruckman? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to think about. And we've been banging on about it the whole season and it's come back to bite us in the bum. I can actually see Hardigan being Medisap. I can see that they might say, because uh, you just ruck for three quarters and then the last quarter they'd move him to the forward. They'd play the permanent forward in the last quarter and bring Hardigan on just as a, as a burst ruckman in the last quarter just to run as much as he can with Wits and whoever. So the, the, all four emergencies are that strategically look at how what they could do with them. It, it's interesting. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't give us any clue as to whether... Day's going to play. I'm really surprised. I, when I saw Day hobbling with an ankle injury, six-day break, and a, including a four-and-a-half-hour flight to Darwin, I gave him no chance of playing. So I'm super impressed that he's even made it to the squad this far. So uh, we all have our concerns. We've been hammered a bit in some of our feedback and our comments about that we're all a bit harsh on players like Day. So hats off to him that uh, for, for, for getting up to – hopefully for getting up to play because I didn't think such a thing was possible um, a few days ago. Rob, you got a question for us? Uh, look, I've come in late. I don't know. Changing the subject, the North Melbourne recruiting guy that they got. What's the story on him? That's a good question. Um, I actually did a bit of homework. I bounced it off someone in the recruiting game, and this person said to me, uh, "Thanks for reminding me as well, because it was meant to be um, it was meant to be a uh, on, on the talking point. Described to me as diligent and hardworking, and has a very strong relationship with Mark McKenzie." So I think this one's been in the works for a little bit of time. Um, the talent identification at North has been reasonable. Uh, the, the question at North has been um, uh, Will Phillips over Logan McDonald at the 2020 draft. That's the, that's the draft choice that uh, North have been hammered over, but that's not necessarily the recruiting manager's call. The recruiting manager provides all the information to the uh, to the rest of the football department, and often then the decision is made. Okay, we, we we're going for the best midfielder, or we're going for the best ruckman. That wouldn't be a decision solely of the recruiting manager. So we will see. Um, he's been at North for seventeen years. He is a a shinboner through and through, as I understand it. Would have been an incredibly hard decision to leave North Melbourne. To, you don't leave 
recruiting managers don't leave two weeks out before the uh, don't leave three days before the mid-season draft, and they don't leave walk out on the club uh, two or three weeks before the national championships, which is the key event of the year in a lot of ways. So there's some serious um, issues happening. I would think at North Melbourne for him to to walk away and to join Hawthorne, um, but from the recruiting person I spoke to, uh, it's a good outcome for Hawthorne to replace Nathan Foley, who's gone to work for the AFL, actually in a non-football role, in the commercial role. So he's got right out of the uh, recruiting space, which is pretty demanding. So I think it's a, it's a good get forth on it. We, we should be comforted by the fact that he and uh, Mark McKenzie clearly have a good uh, working relationship. No, Not one Hawthorne person could fault the work of Mark McKenzie in the last few years. He's been dealt a, a crap hand a few years because of the obsession with uh, bringing in traded players and using draft picks as, as currency for those. Um, he's done a pretty good job finding whether it's pick five or pick 65, uh, McKenzie's done, he's got a pretty good record. So if you bring a, a similar thinker to him, not a bad thing. Ash, can I just also go into bat here for Will Phillips? Um, the kid didn't have a, dra- a, a draft year because of COVID. And so they eased him in last season on the back of basically no football for two years. Um, and so he, he only played in about round six or seven, and then even then he was only playing like half a game at a time. In fact, he wasn't exactly setting the world on fire, but he had a good preseason. And then, well, a week before round one, he gets knocked down by glandular fever. So it's not really anyone's fault. Um, he was touted to be a pretty, pretty handy midfielder, a great leader. Um he just can't get on the park. Yeah. Hawthorne so, put a lot of time into it. Clark I spent a lot of time with Will Phillips and was very yeah. impressed with him. So, it's not like uh, he's a winner. He just, yeah. he just hasn't been out there. Yeah, and uh, it's just the North the consideration was that you can get a midfielder in any draft. Uh, you can get a Will Phillips in any draft. It's it's when the key position players are there, you grab them. And that's the criticism that's been made of North. Not that uh, Phillips is necessarily going to be a dud. But McDonald is the sort of forward they could build their forward line around for the next 10, 15 years. They always get a Phillips. Any you can get a Phillips when you're drafting from where North have been. That, that's 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 the comment rather than anything else. Um, the thank the you, appointment. Rod. There's something very very satisfying about picking the bones of the North Melbourne carcass at the moment, isn't there? There's something is it, very. Is it satisfying. the carcass you want to pick off though? I mean, is it like is it disease addled? Uh, well, I guess time will tell, <laughs> but like you said, that relationship's in place and, um, no, it's pretty satisfying. Another year, I think it's our 15th year, we're going to finish above them on the ladder as well. Yes. So long may that continue. So, we see which, which, um, North Melbourne player are you bringing in? Are you going hard for them? Oh, that's a very good question. I mean, the reality is they've got a lot of good young football talent on their list. So um, one of the issues will be, and Prinzi bangs on this, bangs on about this a lot because we've talked about the likes of Tarant, Taranto and and Hopper being available around, you know, any of the kids that you want me to answer here, Mara, like they're not going to be given away for free. So the question around, you know, what's the collateral you have to put up for them and do you stay the course at this point with our draft picks and drafting in kids so um but on the spot like i actually i like both pals at north melbourne um taron thomas obviously can play zerha's there that's a name that's been mentioned um taron thomas should be playing for hawthorne because north melbourne jumped in and got the tasmania 
as their uh, as their NGA or whatever it is, and Hawthorne's wants to pull the work into Tasmania. Taron Thomas should be playing for Hawthorne. So for any chance of taking him, just to add more solid to the North Melbourne wound, um, I would welcome that. We're going to wrap things up quick. A couple more bits and pieces before we go um, is that Liam Shields, by playing in this game, it looks like uh, game 250 will come against Collingwood the following week. So we're going to have Luke Bruce and Liam Shields playing the 250 together home game against Collingwood on Sunday weeks, which will be a wonderful occasion. So that's an event and a a date in the calendar that all Hawthorne supporters should circle and make an effort to beat the MCG for. So that's going to be, um, had the good fortune of speaking to both of them today for the record for story that will run next week. And they're both very excited about uh, the occasion and and sharing milestone with each other. So um, please um, make sure you get the MCG for that because that'll be a, Big afternoon, Hawks should be suitably inspired to put on a good performance for them. Um, the also, from talking to some people this week at the club, there has definitely been a thaw between Surioli and the football club. Uh, I know Sam Landsberger went to Darwin Herald Sun to to speak to Surioli. He couldn't do that. I suspect he probably got to speak to him off the record. But um, there is now some confidence that Cyril will be will be part of the game in some shape or form, whether he comes to the game. I know Maura and I had this discussion. I'm not sure Cyril should go because that'll be a circus as well with the cameras on him every five seconds. If I was Cyril, I'd be more likely to um, go and see the team. It might be more useful to go and see the team at the hotel before, before after the game than actually go to the game. But I think there is some sort of chance now that uh, there'll be a bit of bread breaking between Cyril and the football club, which would be just a wonderful thing would be unbelievable. And, you know, we projected that based on the timeframes that might not be to next year, given the um, the significant negative attention that came through Caro and, and some of the reports a month or so ago about um, uh, about Cyril opening up on, on everything that was going on. Um, but to see that fast-tracked, again, if, if this can be ticked off the list in some way, shape or form, together with, we talked about the pokies, together with everything that's happening on field, together with, you know, Jeff by the end of the year, then, um, yeah, there are going to be four, five, six things that we're talking about at the end of the year that were absolute highlights to, you know, the, the shaping of, of the footy club. And, and this is one of the better feel-good stories amongst it. Yeah, I think, uh, as you explained to me, the text messages are starting to be returned now and uh, there's been some exchange, a few exchanges between a few Hawthorne people and reality in the last few days. So whether it comes to the game or not, I would say probably still more unlikely than likely to beat the game, but I would say it's probably more likely than unlikely that there'll be some sort of contact between him and the club while the club is up there, which I think is, yeah, said there'll be a great outcome. I'm sure that... uh, the Hawks will uh, hopefully make some sort of some sort of social media or media confirmation of something because I think it would be great for the supporters to know that uh, the rapprochement uh, is happening and that uh, or the, the contact is happening that they're going to be uh, back on speaking terms at some stage. Um, so that has been the space for this week. As I say goodbye, everyone, just give me your tips for uh, Saturday night. And Danny, welcome. I know we haven't got you on to speak, but uh, you study up some because we're going to need you next week when we. Uh, tackle the mid-season draft properly. We stumbled our way through without you tonight, but uh, it'll be good to have your your contribution post the draft. Um, Simon, your um, tips for uh, prediction for Saturday night? I think Hawks will win this one. 
um, costing us what a place in the in the mid-season draft will jump Gold Coast and they'll get a better pick than us. But um, I reckon we'll get up by about 15 points. Right. Yeah, I reckon Hawks will win this game. I reckon Hawks by seven points, which will put us to five and six, which in my opinion is way above expectation. I saw stats during the week. We played seven. We're two and five against teams in the eight, which doesn't look good on paper. But out of all the teams this year, Hawthorne's had the hardest fixture out of any club in the league. So to be, I think most of us at the start of the year when we gave our predictions had us winning between five and seven games for the year. If we win this game against Gold Coast, our draw opens up very nicely after the bye and it's a very good chance we'll end up winning probably eight or nine games for the year. So this is a really big game. Be great for the confidence because we'll go into the Collingwood game you know, with a good chance to beat Collingwood. So I reckon Hawks will win this one, Hawks by seven. Lucy? I'm happy to burst the bubble here from uh, from the highs of the Lions to a game that we now should definitely win. Uh, I think we're going to come out of this disappointed. I think we're going to lose by two to three goals um, and go back to the the discussion around uh, it's all about the experience, it's disappointing. Um, I think the lack of uh, key bulky Ruckman's really going to hurt us because, yeah, if, if Wits gets the 70 that Brad talks about, he's a gun. He's a very, very good Ruckman. And whilst we might come up with plans at ground level um, to, you know, to get it even 50 times to have first tap of that ball 50 times I think it's just going to be too much uh, and I think we'll go down by a few goals Yeah I see, I can't see I don't think Hawthorne will win this game either I think Hawthorne will lose by uh, they'll be tight I think and they'll be low scoring game there's never high scoring games up at Darwin even though Hawthorne play quite an attacking brand of footy it'll be a, you know a 70 to 60 sort of game will be about the extent of it So, but I can see Hawthorne probably falling one or two goals short and I really do think it'll be one of those games we're going to lament not having a you know, through no fault, through no, no one's fault, they're going to lament not having a recognised ruckman, I think. So I would see Gold Coast winning this game. But gee, if Hawthorne win this one and then knock over Collingwood, which they should the next week, six and six, with the hardest part of the draw over. So uh, we'll all be getting very excited if, uh, if that turns out to be the case in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I think this might be a little bit of a bridge too far for the Hawks this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us in space. It was no good one. We went over time, which is a good thing as we had plenty to talk about. Um, keep a lookout for the Campbell Brown uh, column, which will be out the next little while, um, and uh, Morris' uh, match preview and looking at uh, how Gold Coast stack up will be on online as well tomorrow. Don't forget, $5 a month, $50 for 12 months gives you uh, – supports us to provide you with great Hawthorne content. Mid-season draft, Wednesday night. Uh, we will have a presence on Wednesday. Not sure what that will be yet, but we will let you know through email or social media as what we're going to be doing. And we'll be back to the spaces Thursday night. will be the last one before Thursday night before kicks in. And after that, I think we'll go back to Tuesdays again for a few weeks. So thank you, everyone. Have a good uh, rest of the week. Enjoy the game Saturday night. Enjoy Luke Darcy talking What's the over-under, Brad, on Luke Darcy mentioning uh, Giant the Rising Star? Oh, two a quarter. So <laughs> seven and a half.
seven and a half. That's right. <laughs> it's going to be tolerable. Look for maybe look for best radio call and sync it to your uh, to your KO or have your seven or however you're watching. It might be the best way to go. Have a good few days, everyone. Thanks for your support of Hawks Insiders and our our spaces and our Substack. We'll talk to you again uh, with our podcast, uh, our Play Ratings podcast, which will be out by Monday morning. Thanks, everyone, and good night.